You're listening to I Hate the Fins. Welcome, everyone. My name is Keith. I'm your usual host, joined by my usual co-host, Zach. Uh, it's been a long time. I keep saying that. I had a lot of stuff come up over the past couple of months, but we are here, uh, and things are interesting right now for a couple of reasons, all of which we'll get into. Um, let's see here. First off, playoff stretch going on right now. Baltimore is pretty much uh, lurking, waiting in the wings here. They've got a much easier finish to the season than the the Dolphins do. The Dolphins essentially are going to have to win out. I mean, it's going to be earned. Nothing's given here. So that means they go on the road to Vegas Saturday. Then they are... Then what, that Buffalo after that? Yeah, yeah. Close out of Buffalo. And I mean, Buffalo's going to want to bounce the Dolphins. Obviously, I mean, whenever you, you get divisions going at it like that, <clears throat> there's a certain incentive to to knock out your your rival. So it's going to be something where if the Dolphins want it, they're going to have to take it. And the receiver core couldn't be worse right now. In turn, I mean, the health is bad. Parker's hurt. Grant's hurt. Grant with all the drops the last few weeks. Uh, and that's also something we're going to get into because a lot of people are talking about draft receivers. I think that's valid. A lot of people are talking about receivers via free agency. I think that is probably more valid when you think about the fact that the wide receiver position isn't always an immediate bang for your buck addition when you bring it in through the draft. So if you can go ahead and get a proven commodity there, I think that's going to be a big deal. But all that's to say, let's go back to the rookie quarterback, of course, against Bill Belichick on Sunday. What'd you think? Because, I mean, that game, more or less a tale of two halves outside of Miami's first real big drive that resulted in the turnover in the red zone. Yeah, and I think I think the nice thing was that you saw Tua learns in game and doesn't make the same mistake twice. And that's like the biggest thing for me. Like, look like you're going to make mistakes. Just don't make it twice. So when they were down in the red zone after that first drive and he steps up, feeling the pressure and just throws it out there and it ends up being a pick. Um, you know, the nice thing was in the second half, he got put in that same exact position. And when he stepped up, he just pulled it, pulled it down and ran it. Um, so, so that's what you want to see out of a, a rookie quarterback. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. Uh, again, Tua didn't put up crazy stats or anything, but like he had no one to get the ball to. So not surprising. No, I mean, like I think uh, Lynn Bowden is going to be a big thing going forward. But I mean, you look at what he's got out on the perimeter right now. And I mean, the cupboard's bare. I mean, you can use whatever cliche you want. Uh, a really great performance from the backfield, all things considered. Uh, Ahmed looked really good. Matt Breida had some some clutch runs in there, but I mean, that's I think something you're going to see in the draft as well. They're going to have to rebuild that backfield, and we're going to talk about that too. So, and a big weekend la- last Saturday for college football, so we'll we'll get into that. So much we're going to need a couple of shows, I think, to really just get through everything that we've missed. God, we've been we've been so horrible as of late but at least we have excuses it's not not we're just sitting around and not like we're deciding that we don't want to record 
Yeah, life life has been quite a thing recently, unfortunately. Yeah, we're getting whooped here. So, what do you think? Because the Raiders it pretty much hit or miss in terms of what you get this year. They really came within an eyelash of sweeping Kansas City, but they also really should have lost to the New York Jets. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get from the team there, and their defense is horrid right now. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins' last two weeks here, I think, really depend on who's available. Um, I think that's what it's going to come down to because, I mean, they they won the game versus New England, um, but God, if they don't if they don't get some of those receiver options back, um, you know, Savon Ahmed looks solid, um, but he, uh, the Dolphins still don't have a real running back option. Um, they just kind of go to whoever the hot hand is that day. Um, so without, you know, at least one, maybe two receiving options back, uh, it, it's going to be tough down the stretch here. Um, the, the thought process is they should beat the Raiders. Um, but again, uh, you know, nothing's given any, any given day, uh, especially on a weird Saturday evening game, uh, that, that may throw off their groove a little bit, but they they need some weapons back. That's kind of what it's going to be. And then who knows? Maybe Buffalo kind of sits some folks in the last week. If not, like they got to bring their A game. Um, they almost beat them earlier in the season, so they've shown they have the formula to do it. And it's going to be rough though, going up to Orchard Park against. I mean, a Bills team that looks really good right now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that like I said, that's going to be earned. So. Getting into it as much as we we can, this offseason, what would you do if you're Chris Greer to rebuild the backfield, really build up the uh, receiver position? What what are the moves you would make in terms of free agency in the draft to really get this thing going? Because, I mean, Tua, the the way Tua is playing is amazing considering what he has out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, I guess we'll start with the backfield. Like I'm not paying running backs to come in. Um, you know, it's just cheaper, you know, less mileage on guys to just draft one. You got to draft um, them. Yeah. And it, it looks like a good draft class. Um, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed Travis Etienne for a good long while here. Um, Najee Harris has put together even more crazy of a season than he previously did. So he's very much in that top conversation. Um, you got both of the guys from UNC that are playing unbelievably well this year. And then there's a bunch of, you know, third, fourth round, fifth round type of guys that could come in and produce any time. So um, I definitely think backfield wise, you're, you're drafting someone. Um, you should still have Miles Gaskin. You should still have Savan Ahmed. Um, you should still have Patrick Laird. Um, but at the end of the day, Definitely got to bring somebody in with some playmaking ability and some juice. You know, I, I love Miles Gaskin. Um, just doesn't have that big playability. There's a couple times where you go back and watch the film, and and people have done recaps of the Dolphins games this year. And like, if you have a guy that has juice, or you have somebody that hits one extra block, there's some big runs left out on on the the field there. Uh, but right now, the Dolphins just don't have that in the backfield. Do you have a preference between ETN and Najee Harris? I mean, it it depends on what you want to do. I mean, based on what the Dolphins have done, it, 
if you were asking this question when the season started and we all thought Jordan Howard was going to be the main guy, I would mm-hmm. say the upgrade would be Najee Harris, obviously. Um, but it looks like they've been okay with having smaller backs that are more versatile um, and check down options and, you know, flex them into the slot and that kind of stuff. So ETN looks like he'd be the more logical choice. Um, I think it's going to be a toss up between those two guys uh, for the preference of the Dolphins at the end of the day. Um, and we'll, we'll just have to see when the spring comes around, but I think they're both excellent options. Yeah, I do think it comes down to one of those two. I think, um, ETN with the, uh, underrated power for a smaller guy, um, in traffic can definitely thump a little bit if he needs to, though. I mean, definitely not his game. Oh, what is that? Uh, so, and then Najee Harris, who just had an all world game on Saturday night, I think what? five touchdowns responsible for yeah that's not the first time he's done that yeah because yeah because he just absolutely killed Ole Miss earlier this year too yeah um what about the receiver position receivers tough there's there's a lot of dudes that I think people like in the receiver room right now but there's no dudes that are legitimate playmakers unfortunately um Devontae just hasn't been healthy again this year which is not a shock. Um, And so there's just really been no playmakers out there. I think for the most part, they need a guy with more juice than size or, you know, that kind of build. Um, So I think if you're looking for a guy that's got more zip to him, you're looking to draft a receiver at that point. Um, I mean, the names that tend to get tossed around for free agency, of course, people are going to throw around Juju because he's the probably the biggest name next to Allen Robinson. Um, I mean, Dolphins tend to, to go in that mid-20s range for age-wise. Um, I mean, maybe you see like a, a Zach Pascal uh, from uh, the Colts. Um Maybe a Demarcus Robinson from the Chiefs, somebody that's been a little bit of an underachiever that has shown flashes. Um, I don't anticipate them going after a Will Fuller type of guy. Um, maybe Curtis Samuel. Uh, so like those in-betweener kind of guys are probably who you're looking at that they could look at in free agency. Um, but I think they really need a wide receiver that can be a threat on those RPO concepts to take it to the house. Um, and right now they don't have that. Mm-mm. No, they do not. So I mean, we talk about this all the time and for good reason, because it's such a such a need point for the Dolphins in terms of the receiver position. But you're going to see the big names coming up here. Jalen Waddle is going to work his way right back into that first round or high first round conversation. People obviously not talking about him as much because of the injury. But and then Devontae Smith, who's had a ridiculous season and looks smart for coming back. Uh, mind you, because I wasn't exactly sure if he should if uh, he should do that when he made that announcement. Um, and then Jamar Chase, your favorite of the of the three. So, what do you think? I mean, my 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 personal favorite is Devonta Smith. Um, I think the guy that makes them that makes more sense for the Dolphins is Jalen Waddle. Um, I think Jamar Chase is a, a fine option. He he doesn't have that same kind of explosiveness as uh, Jalen Waddle, which not many people do have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think Jamar Chase gives you more of what you already have in Devontae Parker than anything else. Um, so probably not looking to double down in that department. But again, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Jalen Waddle be the first guy off the board if he can, you know, go to the combine and run and do all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, for the the Texans pick, I think those are the three wide receivers that would be in play for that top pick there. Yeah, I think based on the impact guys like Tyreek Hill and Henry Ruggs have had alone I think Waddle I think that that first receiver spot is his to lose I think it it would take a a considerable setback from that injury for that to happen because I mean and he's not a one-trick pony which is important to to point out with him it's not like he's just a a go-route receiver or just a a number two in any offense I mean he can go up and get the football he can fight for it he's good with the contested balls and whatnot um let's see here i'm just going through my notes right now yeah and i mean while while you're kind of digging through that i mean there's always that option that they go wide receiver with that second pick um because i mean like you know if they didn't take um igmanogany there there were guys like um brandon Ayuk that were still around so there's always those back end of the first round guys that are really interesting um so i mean you know uh, a guy that i really like that's should be a first round pick at this point um is like Kadarius Tony he should definitely be in consideration up there um I mean if you're looking instead of signing a Juju you could always just draft a Rashad Bateman at that point um I really like Elijah Moore from Ole Miss as well he's been terrific every year that he's been there um and then the guy that's kind of slipping at this point um that was once a a first round pretty sure kind of guy um that still feels the same need that the dolphins are looking for is rondale moore so mm-hmm. um there's definitely guys at the back end of the first round uh that can fill the role that we were talking about with some of the front end of the first round wide receivers as well why do chargers and dolphins fans have to fight i don't know everybody should just be happy they have nice things yeah that's something that i i I've tried to t- stay away from social media a little bit as of late. Uh, man, does it get toxic? And I- I'm not really sure why, because the Dolphins pass on on Herbert for Tua, even though we all suspected that they were in it for Tua the whole time. And Herbert, for some, has been a pleasant surprise. Because, I mean, he played in a very limited offense at Oregon. You didn't, you didn't see nearly the skill set or the um uh capability to develop that he has with the chart i mean the chargers have let have let justin herbert be justin herbert and he looks great yeah you know, yeah people are gonna people knock him on the wins thing but honestly I, I a lot of that comes down to uh the head coach i think um their special teams has been just absolutely horrible at times I hate to to shit on the money badger, but that guy cost him in New Orleans and almost cost him in um, against Vegas last Thursday night. So, but I mean, like I, I'm a Justin Herbert fan. I like him. He looks awesome. He's wearing that old school Chargers uni. Wears number ten. The guy, you know, he's what six six. He looks like Thor, except he cut his hair. But I mean, just launches the football, runs really well. I mean, like, I don't I don't understand why Dolphins fans 
need to feel insecure. And I, I realize the Chargers fans are also engaging a lot here and instigating often. But I mean, I think both quarterbacks look great, considering the fact that uh, the the Chargers' uh, skill position list is far more impressive than what the Dolphins have. Uh, injuries or not is a big part of it because I mean, two is just playing with. I mean, he's pretty much playing with guys who are like us at times. Yeah, you think? I mean, except that they have the most enormous tight end group I think I, I've ever seen. But I mean, I I don't get it. And there are a lot of Herbert stands out there, too. And it's funny because then all of these social media people go back and find that they were all Tua fans and everything, which is embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, like I was not a fan of Herbert coming out just because and and go back to the spring and listen to our podcast like that Oregon offense was ugly and mm-hmm. it just didn't match his skill set. And Again, if you get a, a guy in the right place and that team decides to cater to their skill set, like for the most part, you're typically good to go. And that's what you're seeing out of Herbert, which is great. Like, you know, no matter how you feel about a, a player in the draft process, you know, you like them, you don't like them, whatever. You want these young men to come in and succeed in the league. Like this is their dream. You want them to achieve their dream here. Yeah, there's there's so much football to be played by both guys. I don't understand why anyone would would look at their their play more than three quarters into their first season as pretty much the Bible on how their career is going to go. I remember when um, Drew Bledsoe and Rick Myra went one and two in 1993. And for a while, everyone thought that Rick Meyer was the better quarterback, which in hindsight is hilarious. I mean, yeah. like he had a, had a decent had a decent start to his career. It looked good. And then just completely fell off, was exposed in a lot of ways. I don't think he could throw to his right, if I remember correctly, which is really weird. Uh, And I mean, that's that's all before social media kicked in. So that just stirs it up even worse. Yeah, I mean, that situation in in today's social media uh, environment would be crazy. But yeah, a lot of people thought that New England took the wrong quarterback, which is which is comical because Drew Bledsoe is one of the few patriots i actually really liked i love that guy when he was in the league even if he was when he was playing for the patriots even when the patriots bounced essentially bounced the dolphins from the the um playoff contention in 1993 uh, i remember the big showdown opening uh opening weekend 1994 when that was when marino and and blood and drew bledsoe went at it what was that 39 35 at joe robbie um, in the mud mm-hmm. so I mean they had some really good battles but I always really liked Drew and I mean I Rick Meyer was cool too but I mean he just I mean the Seahawks in the mid 90s are just such a mess which is interesting because I really wish they would go back to those uniforms too oh yeah yeah those were fantastic yeah the silver and blue and the green yep yeah Um, and that was when they were in the AFC West a lot of people tend to forget that that was when they were in the AFC. And I remember they were on a lot. That was when uh, the AFC was on uh, NBC. Uh-huh. And the late afternoon games. I realize I sound like Pop Pop right now. Just telling you about how things <laughs> used to be. But yeah, the the late afternoon games. That's why I really like the, the AFC West. Because they were typically on 
because you get games out in you know Denver or that was when the Raiders were still in LA. So before they moved over, so <clears throat> or moved back to Oakland, mind you. So all that's to say, give it a lot of time before you have that conversation. It's okay to enjoy both guys. Jalen Hurts looks awesome right now. Yeah, which is awesome. That's so much fun. Yeah, and talk about I remember that game against Clemson that Bama lost, which would have been what, 2017? Yeah. The 2016 season, January 2017. The game that was in Tampa and they lost the championship game. I remember commenting at the time that Jalen Hurts had an incredible arm and sprayed like a shotgun. Like just the accuracy wasn't there. There was no touch for that guy whatsoever. And I remember watching him on a couple of those late drives and thinking like, man, like this guy is incredibly talented and like there's just no polish there whatsoever. Now look at him. I mean, some of those throws he made yesterday were stupid. So, I mean, that guy has come very, very far in what has been what? Four years. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm really happy to see that. Obviously, we're not going to be able to see what Joe Burrow does the rest of the season based on that horrible injury he suffered, which I was really sad to see just because I have, I think it's a lot of fun to watch that guy play. Yep. Um, definitely kind of like an old school thing he's got going on there. Uh, he's tough. Um, can, can sling it, even though I know there was a knock on his arm strength coming out of LSU. I know that that was the thing. A lot of people didn't think he could really throw it deep, but I feel like the, there are countless examples on an LSU tape of him um, tossing it long to uh, Chase and um, Justin Jefferson. So I don't know. So all that's to say, give, give it a lot of time. Uh, give Tua some actual weapons. Give him a healthy, give him a, you know, a consistent running game would be nice too. Because I mean, last last Sunday, or I should say, well, last Sunday, yesterday, Miami clearly looked to run it down New England's throat. Yeah, and managed and managed to do just that. Obviously, in the game plan, which is great because I wouldn't really want to throw it seventy times a game with with this current crew in place. Even though, like I said, I like I like Lindbow, and I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a, a weapon. I, I think some of the guys in there are really sneaky good, but you you need guys who can win out on the perimeter. There's no real X playing right now, you know. And Parker, as you mentioned, is hurt. So, I don't know. It's gonna that's gonna be a problem going in the last few games too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna be the biggest struggle there for sure. I mean, if you can't become one dimensional, it'd be even if the Dolphins manage to find a running game, like that's great. But like, if you don't have the other aspect to complement it, it doesn't matter what you finally find. Tua, yeah, but these people coming out here saying like Tua doesn't look good, or what? What did Ben Bolin say that? The, the coaches clearly don't trust Tua. That's bullshit. Yeah. They obviously trust Tua. I mean, the guy the guy has major polish going on. And it's going to be fun to watch him continue to develop. It's going to be fun to watch this team uh, start to put together uh, some weaponry for him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see here. Can we do that Alabama receiver ranking? Yeah, you want to do that? Let yeah. Me, let me pull up all right so so which ones we're going back to amari cooper anyone after julio okay. the post julio receivers 
And by my count, there are six of them. All right. Uh, I'm just making sure I have them all. So we got Amari Cooper, Jalen Waddell, Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm already doing a terrible job of putting them in any sort of logical order. Uh, Jerry, Judy. Yeah. Rugs. Yep. Rugs. And then Devante. Yeah. All right. So um, going from six to one for me. Uh, God, this is hard. This is unbelievably hard. I'd have to say. God, I think I think Amari Cooper six for me. Okay. Honestly. Um, like Amari Cooper's good, but like he just doesn't have that juice. He's he's a solid 50 50 ball kind of go get it guy. Um, but he also doesn't have the size to like be exclusively that um, good route runner. Uh, always been a really solid route runner, but like not a. Uh, a slasher or a killer in that regard. Um, So I'd say Amari Cooper is six for me. I'd say, uh, I'd say Jalen Waddle is five for me. I like him a lot. He's got unbelievable explosive ability. Um, He shows sample size. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing is like, don't, don't definitively know what his full skill set is, but he did show you that he has more. He has some vertical ability to him. Um, But so that's small sample size for him. Um, I'd say next is probably, probably rugs at four. Um, Again, I, I, thoroughly appreciate his overall speed and um explosiveness as well um he's shown that he can play above the rim even for his size um you know and and he makes plays in space but and he's definitely a better route runner than he was initially credited for um but like for the most part like you're working him in in the 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 nine routes uh you know some some uh switch fades you know, um, slants and that kind of stuff. Like you're trying to get him into open grass. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to say Jerry Judy is three for me. Um, his route running was just so unbelievably crisp. And like he showed you even in the first year here that he he's killing NFL DBs with it. And that's his rookie year. So um, I think if that Denver offense can kind of keep putting things together, he's going to become even more viable. Um, I could see him being a, a huge 125 plus reception type of guy every year. Um, and that's just so tough between Calvin Ridley and Devonta Smith. I think, I think I'm going to go Calvin Ridley two, Devonta Smith one. Um, they're both so, so similar in the way they do things. I think Devonta Smith sees the field a little bit better and allows him to be a little bit more explosive after the catch. Um, we've had the conversation that Devonta, he, he's probably going to run like a four, five, four or something like that. And people are going to complain that it's a little slow or whatever, but it, it doesn't mean anything. Cause when you watch the film, um, but like Devonta Smith is also so good in the red zone. Like he finds, he, he kills zone coverage. If you're running any sort of zone coverage in the end zone, 
He'll beat you with man coverage. Again, he's he's just at every level of the field, he's been spectacular. Um, so it's so hard to pass that. And again, if, if we were including Julio in this, I think Julio becomes number one just because he's a freak, but um, we're doing everyone post Julio. So yeah. again, my, my countdown would be Amari Cooper, six, Jalen Waddle, five, uh, Henry Ruggs, four, Jerry Judy, three, Calvin Ridley, two, Devonta Smith, one, um, but two and one are really, really close. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. So I'm ashamed of the fact that this list was not difficult for me to to make, which seems like a problem. So number six, and I can't believe that it worked out this way, but number six for me is Jerry Judy, mm. which is, which is funny because Bolitnikoff winner, uh, number five. And I had the same thing as you with the small sample size, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And then this is where things get interesting because at four, I have Amari Cooper. And the funny thing is, of all these guys, Amari was drafted the highest. Yeah, yeah. So for me, number three, Henry Ruggs, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. But I think that I don't think enough people outside of maybe the Raiders and the Ghost of Al Davis appreciate just the freakish combination the the mixture of of skills that you find in henry ruggs game because i mean the thing is yeah i mean he was the fastest guy at the combine last year he's the he'd be the fastest guy at most combines but he's also powerfully built uh really good really comfortable catching the ball over the middle uh can high point the ball if he needs to i mean just not a just not a more than just a vertical threat I mean, like he's got a strangely rounded game for someone who's that fast. Because I mean, in in the past, we've seen guys like like a Darius Hayward Bay or someone where I mean, the the straight line speed is stupid, but you don't really get much past that. But I mean, there is a real savvy to Henry Ruggs' game. I mean, he sets guys up really well, uh, reliable, I mean, really reliable target in the red zone too. You know, just strong for a guy where they had him listed as six foot. I know he came in around five eleven, but I was always a big fan of his game. Um, number two for me, and keep in mind that this guy is one of my favorite college prospects of the last twenty years, and that's Calvin Ridley. I was a huge Calvin Ridley fan. I wanted the Dolphins to get him so bad, and I understand that was in a draft where uh, they end up with um, with Minka and. Um, I know a lot of it at the time. I mean, you were looking because I mean the the secondary was in absolute shambles mm-hmm. and and whatnot. So I was a big Calvin Ridley fan, but I think that Devontae Smith is the best Bama receiver I've seen in the post Julio era. For I mean, and you you said all of it. I mean, like he's a zone buster and man coverage. I mean, like he's just. I mean, he slips everyone. He was one of the few receivers to give uh, Derek Steenley Jr. a problem last year. Yeah. You know, and and a lot of that was wasn't due to the fact that Devontae Smith is just a freak athlete or anything, although I think he's much more athletic than people are are giving him credit for right now. But he just he's savvy, he's polished. I mean, like he's cunning too. like he just sets guys up. Um, He's not the the Judy level of route running, but really who is. I mean, I can only think of a couple of guys who even really get close to the Jerry Judy level of of route running and just dicing a route tree and setting guys up. But Devontae Smith is 
excellent in, ter- in terms of running routes. I'm going to be shocked if the Green Bay Packers don't try to get him because mm-hmm. he is everything that they look for in a receiver. And I know that he's got the he's um, a thinner frame. I think these list at what is a 175 pounds. Yeah, but the dude's never been banged up or anything. So, yeah, I mean, it, you would like to see him pack on a little bit there, but I but I mean, like he's he's strong. He's aggressive at, at the catch point uh, jumps really well. I think he's going to end up having a higher vertical than people realize. Mm-hmm. He's just in a lot of ways. He's the total package. And I think he could run a high four four. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he if he threw down like a four four eight or four four nine. But I do think it's it's much more likely that it's probably going to be a, a really low four five mm-hmm. or, you know, low to mid maybe. But his his speed, I mean, they have him return, returning, was it, punts? Yeah. There. Yeah. So clearly they're not they're not worried about his his straight line speed. Because I don't think Bama Bama has plenty of guys who, who can who can absolutely like blaze a path. Yeah. And I mean like the thing with you know, I don't want to get too much into a conversation about forty times because like forty times are stupid overall. No, uh, so many people get caught up on it. And but I mean it's cost several teams great especially receiver products and i mean how did we get xavier howard in the middle you know in the second round in 2016 you know a big reason for that is is his 40 time at the combine sucked yeah yeah i mean but at the end of the day too like i would rather have a guy that runs a 40 time of a 454 and then puts on the pads and plays at a 454 then like i mean even let's be realistic like does jerry or not Jerry Judy. Um, does uh, Henry Ruggs play at a what did he run a four two four or whatever? Does he does he play at that? Like realistically, probably not. He probably plays at like a, a four three something, right? Yeah, four three is still really damn fast. But like, I'd rather have a guy that you know. And I mean, there's guys that come in that that you know. Oh, they surprised us by running a four 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 forty, and then you get them out there on game day and they play closer to like four six. So like. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have a guy that runs true on everything than, you know, a guy that puts up, you know, four, four something and then runs, you know, four, six and pads and can't, you know, doesn't have good hip flexion, can't get it in and out of routes and stuff like that. Um, you know, so again, I don't think there's going to be an issue. I, I think social media may have an issue with Devonta Smith and whatever his athletic numbers tend to be. Uh, but I mean, this is the same conversation we ended up having with Andrew Thomas last year of, you know, he was the unsexy offensive tackle option. He goes to the combine, has 36 inch arms and like the conversations, well, you know, maybe he's a little bit more considered for one of the top offensive tackles. And the next thing you know, he's the top offensive tackle off the board. Yeah. Do you want to uh, let's finish out this show talking about um Let's talk about the championship Saturday. Yeah, that, that went down. Uh, interesting stuff. I was pretty certain that Notre Dame was going to stick in the playoff regardless, mm-hmm. and that, that ended up happening. Although that's not what I that's not what I wanted, and I can tell from your voice that's not what you wanted either. No. Uh, and w- I think what the tell there was when Florida slipped one spot after losing to an absolutely toothless LSU. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so because they dipped one spot, and I thought, like, well, there's no way in hell that Notre Dame's going to fall out of the playoff now, going from two, two to, they'd have to go two to five. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the, the final four there for the playoff is Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, so that, I mean, kind of business as usual, which isn't super thrilling, but I mean, that's kind of is what it is at this point. Um, you know, everybody liked to like talk about Cincinnati making it, but probably wasn't going to happen. So your next options were Texas A&M and then um, uh, Florida, Florida beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to see Texas A&M in the, the playoff either, quite honestly. Um, at least Cincinnati makes it kind of interesting and makes people want to tune in for something. But um yeah, I mean, we're kind of looking at business as usual for the uh, the playoff, unfortunately. But there were other good games this past weekend, too. Um, I was a big fan of Oregon not even being invited to the Pac-12 cha- championship and then winning it. Um, that was a, a big, interesting college football moment with this year with COVID and everything. Um, and then uh, it was cool to see San Jose State beat uh, Boise for that championship as well. Yeah. That's another team where, I mean, they were a lot of fun to watch this year. Yeah. So, so what do you think happens? Uh, I actually got to look up who's playing who for the college football playoff. Um, I think it's Bama and Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl, isn't it? Yeah, let's see. And the Rose Bowl is going to be in, in Texas, which is weird. Yeah, that's gross, uh, especially because that's my favorite bowl game. And then Clemson and Ohio State's the Sugar. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how those teams just always get in each other's way. No, I I think I think Clemson Ohio State is really good. Uh, another matchup of that again for um, both those quarterbacks that are potentially the top two quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. Um, I mean, Ohio State doesn't need to win that. It's great if they do win that game, but if Justin Fields comes out and plays and hangs with. Um, Clemson, like they did last year, that does a lot for his stock. Um, and then for, well, they should have won that game last year. They yeah. absolutely, I mean, like if J.K. Dobbins catches that ball uh, in, in the end zone, I mean, there's yeah. just I mean, the fact that they they were deep in the red zone so many times against Clemson and were held to field goals was a killer. But I mean, they absolutely, I think, should have won that game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that's definitely a good matchup coming back again. Um, and then. Alabama Notre Dame like I don't think Notre Dame can hang with Alabama um I just I just don't see it happening um I mean there's there's definitely some interesting draft prospect kind of guys to watch on Notre Dame to keep an eye out for um but like if you're giving me Ian Book versus Alabama I'm probably not taking Ian Book (laughs) how dare you oh I know yeah, and it's wild to this is like a bizarro Alabama team, yeah. just a blitzkrieg offense, and I mean they've got stars on the defensive side of the football, but I mean they just they gave up what forty eight points yep. to to Florida on Saturday night. So I mean, and, I mean obviously Florida's built to do that, but in in years past, I mean the, the thought of Alabama giving up 40, 48 points to anyone was absolutely unheard of. Yeah, but I mean their their defense is 
I mean, outside of Patrick Sertain, Dylan Moses, um, I mean, LeBrian Ray, who's a solid but not spectacular player, like their defense is all young dudes. Um, yeah. You know, you got some some red shirt juniors in there that haven't played a whole hell of a lot because you essentially get two years as your crack at playing at Alabama. But, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a really young defense by Alabama standards. Yeah, I don't have any any hope for Notre Dame in that game. I think they're going to get absolutely skinned. Yeah. So, and then, so who do you think wins Ohio State and Clemson? Um. I think Clemson's more well-rounded on both sides of the ball um, at this point. Um, I just don't think, and the way that Clemson's been playing in the last couple of weeks where there are dudes like running open and just beating guys horribly. Um, I just, right. I just can't see Ohio state winning that one unless Justin Fields totally willpowers it for them, um, which would be awesome for him. Yeah. Uh, what's the feeling with, uh, Jets buddy? Oh, oh my God. I can't believe I forgot to mention this already on the show. So, um, now's your time. I was, I was watching a movie or something, uh, with a friend yesterday after the Dolphins game. And then I like, I turned on my phone and I looked at the Jets score and I was like, holy hell, like I need to turn on this Jets game. Is this okay? Um, and they were like, yeah, this is fine. So we we were watching the Jets game and I was like, holy shit, like the Jets are going to beat the Rams right now. This this is absolutely mind blowing. And they when they beat him, I, I instantly called my Jets buddy. And I think the phone rang twice before he like hung up on me. Um, <laughs> and so he texted me. He's like, don't text me or call me just not tonight. Like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> like that. But that's brutal, dude. That's Oh, that's so bad. Like, and I mean, like we were, we were kind of in that mode to a certain extent last year when it was like tank for Tua. Um, but as the season kind of moved on and the dolphins started winning games and like, you started seeing good stuff out of the dolphins, but like, you're not going to get that from the jets. Like you're firing your head coach at the end of the season. Like there's no like upside to winning football games besides like lose and get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Who's now almost certainly going to Jacksonville. Yeah. Get that, get that no uh, income tax or, or whatever it is in the state of Florida. Yeah. Oh man. I also, what the hell are the Rams doing? How are, how are you losing to them? I don't know. I mean, the jets have some sort of defensive coordinator technically that runs their defense. And I mean, McVay is a genius. So like he knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> of the multiple you can just see the multiple question marks on that quote <laughs> yeah that's what oh my god that's rough uh, and i don't i i know a couple of jets people but i'm not in direct contact with them right now and i just i remember seeing the that score unfold last night and thinking i can't believe this is happening yeah yeah that's that's brutal and like again like the players and stuff don't want to lose games like they want to win games but like there there's an outlook for your future of like this team is effing terrible like anybody that's been drafted in the past two years you're probably fine on the team but everybody else like there's a chance that you're not here and like we need to secure our future to be a a stable franchise especially like the afc east window is open 
Like it is a hundred percent open right now. And like whoever gets out on the biggest lead has a chance to secure a really strong lead to secure the division. And right now it's the bills, but the dolphins are starting to make a really good push way earlier than we thought it was going to be. And next thing that, you know, like if you're the jets, like, and you don't start closing in on this window too, your ass is going to get left behind. Unfortunately. I mean, that's, that's been the case for like 50 years now. Yeah. Ever since they won Super Bowl three. Yeah. It's just been, been a lot of missed opportunities, bad decisions. I mean, they keep Adam Gase around because what other reason other than they thought that he was going to lose everything, just every game. Yep. Yeah. Cause, cause otherwise, I mean, any other team would have fired him months ago. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a secure Trevor Lawrence kind of we're keeping you move. Yeah, yeah, that's the the cooler um keeping him in it. So I mean that blows up in their face and now Jacksonville it's uh, I forget who pointed it out online on social media. I want to give credit because I saw this and I laughed, but it's true. That Jacksonville head coaching job just became mint. Oh yeah. I mean everything about Jacksonville is much more appealing now. Yeah, right. All of a sudden their their uniforms look better. People are like, I like Duval. It's fine. <laughs> um, speaking of bad teams here, uh, as we're we're closing this up here, Bengals are winning twenty four ten over the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers picked the the wrong time to um, take a shit. It looks um, losing a Washington football team, the WFT, uh, and then the Bills just absolutely beating their ass last week, and now now they're losing to. I said the toothless LSU Tigers and now the toothless Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know. Division games are funny. Yeah. But, but yeah, lo and behold, there you are. And then, um, Xavier Howard's a starter in the pro bowl. Yep. Yep. That news came out today. Um, I was, I was a little upset that Sanders didn't get the nod, but I mean, it's, it's the Justin Tucker show, so I get it, but yeah. Um, I was kind of bummed to see that Mink is a starter. Yeah, I get it. He plays for Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about this on the show before. Did that guy really deserve to be named to the first team All Pro last year? Yeah, I mean, again, when when you play for a a media appreciated team and you a have, and if you have statistics, like you're good to go. Um, oh my god! To the point where, like, I I had questions if. Xavier Howard would get a Pro Bowl nod this year just because, like, yeah. he plays for the Dolphins. It's like, I mean, in my opinion, he is, and obviously we, we say this with a degree of bias, but I do believe he's the defensive player of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, is that going to happen? Mm-hmm. Mm, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. This has been good. I think this is well, our. Let's end with that sadness. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it on brand sad face uh this has been good though we're trying out a new platform so that's why we're a little bit um i'd say uh hesitant with some of the things tonight just trying to figure out how this is going i think it's good though so that's cool uh to everyone who tuned in all of our i think we have 12 listeners now hell yeah Uh, thanks guys we appreciate it sorry we've kept you waiting we are back someone had to poison the well we're happy to do it uh to jets fans everywhere I'm sorry. So for Zach, my name is Keith. We'll talk to you again soon. We're going to record a couple times this week. We got to strike while the iron's hot. 
some we'll get some shows out there we'll preview what we're gonna do with the raiders on saturday saturday game and uh try to talk ourselves into a scenario where we don't get our asses kicked in orchard park next next the weekend after that so until then my name is keith uh we'll talk to you soon take care